Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. I promised you, if you watched the midweek announcements, I, I, know, I know you guys are like, oh, I just can't wait till that comes out and see Jamie on the... But if you did... You would have seen there that uh, I promised you a special seat, and so you are sitting in a special seat straight out of the Bermuda Triangle, (laughs) ordered in May of 2021. These are our new seats. Thank you, Lord. Cheers. Praise the Lord. Uh, We've been helped by Christ Church, now called Movement City. We've been helped by Potter's House, Fort Worth. We've been helped by Doxology Bible Church, uh, Potter's House and Doxology. I'll, I'll read you the text I sent to Chris and at uh, Doxology and Patrick Winfield over at Potter's House. I believe the chairs are getting back to you guys today. Just wanted to say thank you from my heart for Doxology and for the Potter's House. Your generosity with the use of your chairs has resulted in much praise to God. I was in a noon prayer meeting earlier today when the semi-truck drove by with our chairs. We all started cheering. Talk about like answered prayer in the place of prayer where we had been praying that. And there's the semi and we're like, ah, you know, it's like, it's like in a plane appearing, you know, the old Bermuda Triangle movies, you know, just suddenly just appears, you know, and there it is. And so I'm thanking them. Answered so many answered prayers. So thank you both. Uh, And... uh, So thankful for both of you and thankful for the body of Christ in Fort Worth. The chairs have been a great witness to unity in the city. Please share our gratitude. And Chris Freeland wrote back and said, yes, we'll do. And then Patrick, I just wanted to share what he said specifically. He said, we got the chairs back and it was a blessing to be a blessing always. We are brothers. So we help where we can. Love you and so happy for the new chairs in your church. May God's presence rest in them and may the people of God that sit in them rest in him. So it's gonna be easy for you to pray. Just like you're coming in, pray a blessing. They're brand new. So pray. one of the prayers we started praying as the truck was driving by that everybody that ever sits in these chairs would be blessed. That everybody, all the different combinations, and a lot of you guys are gonna land in some of the same rows over and over again. We do that, right? We're creatures of habit. But uh, just everybody that ever comes, all the different combinations would be blessed by the Lord. It would be encouraged by the Lord. So, uh, yeah. And I just, one final thing before we jump into this message today, and that is prayer and fasting for us formally starts tomorrow. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, if you feel grace from the Lord to jump in with us with no food for three days, then just we're going to be seeking the Lord. And I know that that's a new thing maybe for some people, but we're all, it, 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 it always helps to do it with somebody else. I do so much better knowing you guys are jumping in with us. And so, so many, I just get testimonies every year. We do this in the spring and the fall, just three days, and uh, we'll have prayer meetings at noon, starting noon and seven each day. And with a big blowout then here on Wednesday night, lots of worship, prayer, going for it. And lives will be changed. One of the words we got last week in the noon prayer meeting on Tuesday was that the Lord's not done speaking about this year as, as we're going into this time of prayer. We've already got a bunch of words, but he's still going to be speaking to us about this coming year. So expectant about that. Amen. Uh, you know, just people cheering about prayer and fasting is always interesting. You know? It's like, oh, sort of good with it. Um, kidding, not kidding. Um, so uh, we've been doing these vision messages the last few weeks at the start of the year here. We're calling it Life on the Way. And part of that is the idea is that that's what the early church was actually called, the way. So life on the way, it, it just emphasizes there's a way of living. And so we want to practice the way. We want to live life together on the journey of growing and being conformed into the image of Christ. And it is a journey. It's not there's nobody here that's all arrived and finished. I'm not, you're not, we're not, and God is growing us into the image of Christ. And so here's the series, just kind of, just as a reminder, Life on the Way is about, these are the words that we've had, beholding Jesus, who reveals the overflowing God, it's a really important one, just want everybody to get that one, who's gentle, tender, and kind, that's what we talked about last week out of Matthew 11, 
And then he wants us, and he wants us to abide. He wants us to abide in him. Now, this is today's word. It's just crazy. <laughs> I'm laughing with Raven. Um, it's just crazy that um, this word is like a special word for us because it's the goal of our lives. I mean, we're, we're talking about it. We don't talk about it all the time, but we're talking about it all the time, if that makes sense. This is underlying so much of what we're always talking about. So we're going to get to John 15, which is a, an awesome place to go if you want to talk about abiding in the Lord. But it's the trajectory of the New Testament. Union with God is the trajectory, being included in the fellowship. That's, that's where this thing is going. That's why God creates. It's the logic of creation. It's the logic of God. It's the, he's the Word of God. But before we get to that, John 15, I just want to do a flyover of a couple important theological kind of things that John wants to emphasize in his gospel, the temple and the vine, okay? The temple and the vine. Those are two huge things that John is wanting to bring out and wants to give us some understanding. If you remember, a couple weeks ago, we uh, did the overflowing message and we started in John 20, verse 31, which said, this whole book, God, the gospel of John, the reason why I wrote it is so that these are written so that you'd believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you would have life in his name. So Jesus is the Messiah, and Messiah is loaded. There's just, there's no way around that. I mean, Messiah back then, there's all different kinds of ideas about who the Messiah was going to be, and was he going to be like a sword-wielding warrior king, chopping off arms? Yeah. I'm thinking Monty Python. That was really, if you're not thinking like that, then that's really gross. But so is the Messiah a sword-wielding warrior king or is he a suffering servant who comes to die for the sins of the world? You know, so there's misunderstandings about Messiah. He's going to come, kick the Romans out, and in some way he's going to rebuild or renew the temple or something in a way that God comes. God literally comes to the temple. So it's in that context that John is unpacking and writing his gospel. John chapter 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So he's saying God comes in the flesh and tabernacles, like he sets up shop. And he, right here in humanity, comes and dwells among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. There's only one who's seen the Father and can make him known, and he is the Son of the living God, Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. So then at the end of chapter 1, I should open my Bible and not just read them off the screen. Um, this is... I, I just want everybody to get this. This is exciting, right? It's, it's, what, it's what leads into all of that abiding fellowship, intimacy stuff. And so then the, on another passage there at the end of chapter one, Jesus prophesies to Nathaniel and he says, I saw you under the tree. And then Nathaniel says back to him, Rabbi, you're the son of God, the king of Israel. I mean, boom, just says it. And Jesus said in verse 50, you believe because I told you I saw you under the tree, you'll see greater things than that. And he added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So when we read that, what John wants us to think about is Jacob's ladder and the open heaven between heaven and earth. And so it's just a picture. And then when you think open heaven, the place where heaven's touching earth, you think the temple. That's what the temple was all about. It was the place where heaven touched earth, the tabernacle, the temple. So John's putting all of this imagery in front of us. Then go to the very next chapter, and he brings judgment to the temple, right? So the very next chapter, and John puts it in a different order than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He wants to emphasize it right here at the start of the letter, that judgment's coming to the temple. He turns over the tables, everybody's freaking out, and he says, to those who sold doves, he said, this is chapter 2, verse 16, get out of here, stop turning, here we go, my father's house 
into a market. His disciples remembered that it was written, it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. And the Jews responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. And they replied, it's taken 46 years to build this temple and you're gonna raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. And then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing a little bit of foreshadowing for two weeks from now when we're gonna start the story that we find ourselves in. And you're gonna see that you look at scripture through the lens of Jesus. Like after he's raised from the dead, they're like, whoa, whoa, remember that stuff about the temple? Uh, it all makes sense now. It makes sense in the light of Jesus, in the light of the resurrection, in the light of his coming life, ministry, death, resurrection, ascension. Oh, wow, okay. This thing's totally, and so roll the clock forward to the upper room discourse, John 13. So what's going on there? He's washing his disciples' feet. They're sharing communion together. He's predicting his betrayal and the Son of Man's gonna be lifted up and glorified, my children. That's just wild. Think about that. 33-year-old Jesus saying, my children, to these disciples. And may, Okay, so they're maybe younger, but not a lot younger. Not, it'd be, you know, I, Charlotte, my child. You know, it's like, we don't, it's like, but there's authority in that. There's wisdom and strength and age like the ancient of days age, kind of age. My children are gonna be with you just a little while longer. And here's my command, love each other. So then skip down to chapter 14, verse one. Here's the temple theme again. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. And if it were not so, I would have told you that I'm going there. What I've told you that I'm going there to put prayer prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me so that you can be with me where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. So here's what I want us to get. I, and, and for all the funeral sermons and stuff, it's okay if you got comfort from that, you know, like a mansion up in heaven, but, but like a, a really nice house from the nicest part of Fort Worth located in heaven for you is not what Jesus is talking about. Just throwing that out there. He's talking about the temple. He's talking about his father's house. And in that house are many rooms, many little temples, just like us. And together we form the true temple, the, the temple of the living God. Paul says to the sinful Corinthians, you are the temple of the living God. So in you know, who is it that said, Thomas, what do we do? Where do we, and he says, I'm, we don't know the way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. You come through me. Everything's through me, Jesus is saying. Everything's through me. So then again, just to kind of reinforce this, go down to chapter 14, verse 18. We're almost done with this introduction. Right. I, I just wanted you to, I, I'm excited about it. I want you to see it. So he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. And on that day, when the Holy Spirit comes, on that day, when the Spirit comes, you'll realize that I am in my Father, that you are in me, and I am in you. So, that's where this is going. That's, that's, that's totally what he's saying to them. And, you know, uh, that's just, it's huge that we would be the temple, that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit would live in, that we would be the temple, that we with our brothers and sisters around the world from all the different cultures and ethnicities would be this house, the Father's house, where there are many rooms. Yeah, and so it's just like John wants us to get this. 
Just, it, it's huge, you know? And so um, then you come to, to chapter 15. And Israel was called all through scripture, over and over again, the vine. You're my vine that I've brought out of Egypt and planted you in Canaan. You're the vine, my people. And so then when Jesus comes, I mean, this is radical, right? And he comes in relation to the temple and the whole bit. And he says, I am the true vine. Josephus describes the gate to the temple in antiquities. Like this is the way that the entrance to the temple actually looked. It was covered with a solid gold grapevine with fruit hanging from it made of gold. And it's in that context that Jesus says, I'm the true vine. So temple and vine are huge. This is vision for us for living in the presence of God, in the temple, in the holiness of the presence of God, abiding, constantly, connected. All these, we use so much language for this, the exchange life, the yielded life, the surrendered life, offering ourselves, all those, to, for to me to live is Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That exchange, that kind of abiding, that kind of securing our life by being connected to him. So here we go. The main thing for today, straightforward, is abiding in Christ is the goal of life every single day. Is that, okay, is that clear? Uh, abiding in Christ is the goal of life every single day. And the reason I'm saying it so strong is because we need Jesus. We need him for wisdom. He's the one in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You want to know what God's like? We need Jesus. But he's the one who reveals what God is like, not out of our darkened ideas, but by looking at the Son of God, the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the... That's how he's building his church, upon that revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. So for our, in order to love, to make decisions, to have wisdom to do justice, to have compassion. We need to abide in Christ. It's the goal of life. And maybe you're not a disciple of Jesus, but if you were, if you were, this is what you would do. And this is a big invitation to you to be a disciple. And if you are a disciple, this is what you do. Abiding in Jesus. Abiding in Jesus. So as we're about to uh, read this passage, and if you would stand for the reading of God's Word. I know we've already been reading God's Word, but we're going to read the passage right now. And I want you to look for three words. Stay, like remain, pray, and obey. And this will just help, help us see what it is that we're trying to do. Stay, pray, obey, and then the results of that are Jesus and his glory in our lives, his joy in our lives, his friendship in our lives. All those, that's, those are the results of that. So, Lord, open our eyes to the beauty of your word today. In the name of Jesus, amen. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. And neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've, <coughs> excuse me. 
I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. And this is the word of God, and together we say, thanks be to God. Have a seat. Okay. Do you see some of those words in there? I know you guys like it when I tip you off on what to look for, right? So stay, pray, obey. Can we just say that together? Stay, pray, obey. That's, that'll, that'll get you way down the road right there. Stay, pray, obey. Jesus is the vine. He's the true vine. And branches, this makes so much sense, but branches only live connected to the vine, right? Um, I saw a cool video link that I put in the sermon notes in the app. So Carol Del Rio, I don't know if she's in this service, right? But, uh, but she told me, she said, Put more stuff in there. It's just in there. You know, put the links in there. And people need to look at that stuff. And so I'm sharing extra resources with you today uh, for you deep dive guys. But, uh, you know, Jesus is the vine. I saw this cool video, and uh, it was uh, about a Napa vine dresser. And he's preaching from John 15 and talking about how to do the vines. You know, and it's just fascinating. It's stuff that we don't know because we're not grape farmers, uh, whatever the, all the language is for that. And, uh, but it was just, it was, it was fascinating. Just the little bitty buds of these things that are going to be grape clusters, whatever time that year that was, they're just little bitty, they were about little pea-shaped deals. And then it was covered with leaves and he was like talking. He goes like, now, so these leaves here are blocking the sun. So these leaves have to go so that the sun can get to those, those developing grapes. I'm enacting a time-lapse <laughs> photography of, a, of grapes maturing into full <laughs> interpretive thing there. Um, but it was good. You know, it was good to think about that stuff. And, and one of the things he was talking about was pruning stuff that's not going to bear fruit. And so I just thought about us, like all the little runner shoots that we've got going in 2020 and 2021 that are just, they, they kind of got growing in our lives, but they're down on the ground or they're shooting out somewhere and they're probably not going to really bear fruit. And so pruning, can I, y'all shouting me down on this one, but pruning is a part of the process. There are runners and shoots and things that need to get out of our lives. They need, to be, they need to be pruned, not just let run along the ground and mature. They need to be pruned. And so when those things are pruned, then he showed the, the, the stuff on the ground and its branches that need to be burned. If you leave the branches on the ground, then pests and stuff start getting in that old nasty branches. And if you think about the branches that need to be pruned in your own life, it's usually some nasty stuff that needs to get out of your life anyway. It's not producing any fruit. And so you don't leave it right there close by where other stuff, little vermin can get in there and kind of, you know. <laughs> right? I, I want that stuff out of my life and it needs to be burned. He said, literally, they have to do that in Napa. You know, in order to get rid of those old branches and stuff, the roots, or another one that I, I didn't know. He said when they originally brought vines from Europe, the priests, whatever, uh, were some of the first guys to come to California when they were building missions. And so they brought vines from Europe and they put the roots in the ground, but the roots wouldn't grow because they were vines from Europe and they couldn't survive the pests and uh, stuff from California. So what they had to do was put roots from California 
that was resistant to the pests into the ground and then take whatever the cool vine from Europe was and... Uh, what's the word? Graft. Grafted in. They graft in to this root that's, that's, that's strong against the attacks a, a new vine. And I just thought, man, that's really rich for us abiding in Christ ourselves. He, it's his life, it's his strength, it's his victory over the enemy that's coming against us and staying connected to him is huge, right? So it's just, it's a beautiful picture there. John 15 verse five then sums it up. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me, I and you, you will bear much fruit. The promise is stay, remain. Abide, and you will bear fruit. Apart from me, and this is why it's the goal of life, apart from me, you can do yet nada. We say just all the different colloquialisms, uh, almost tongues. There, all the different ways we say this. Uh, sorry. This is a word. I, I'm, I'm in and out, but this is a word. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nada, zilch, zero, donut, a big nothing. The sum total of all that we do doesn't withstand the final appearing again. It's only those things that are in him, his, his life. So that's where we're going. Pray, stay, pray, obey. Verse 15, 15 verse seven, pray. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish. It's one of these huge promises from the Lord. He, he said it in 14 as well. Ask in my name and I'll do it to bring glory to the Father. He says it again later in our same passage. Ask, pray. So listen to the heart of Jesus and pray what he wants us to pray. That's why I, you, we need each other because we don't always know what to pray. But when we're together, you know, I, I hear somebody else praying in the prayer meeting. I'm like, that's the Lord's heart. Don't you have that experience? I feel like the Lord's speaking almost through their prayers. And I go, wow, yes. And when you hear people in a prayer meeting, like we're about to go into this prayer tomorrow, Tuesday and Wednesday. And when you hear people go, they're praying something and the other people in the room are going, amen. Yes, Lord, let that happen. That's the, that's the witness together in the spirit, that this is the heart of God. This is what he wants us praying together. So stay and then pray things that are the will of God, that point to the glory of God, and then obey. Verses 9 to 12 there is a promise. You know, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Keep my commands. Remain in my love. I've told you this so that my joy will be in you. My command is this. Love each other as I've loved you. So there's the command. They all go together, but this command, if, even if you can't, just sometimes we're overwhelmed, like I can't do everything I'm, the, the Lord's leading me to do. If you could just boil it down to loving God and loving each other, he, I, that, that's what he said. It's actually going to keep us in the right path, the right trajectory, out of fears and anxieties and all the kind of stuff that the enemy feeds and fuels our fallen experience with to create unreality in our lives. And so it's, it's huge. Obey, love one another, love each other. Self, not just any kind of love, but self-giving. As I've loved you, I want you to love others. Self-giving love. Now, that's eat, love each other is easy to say. It's like three words, but it's a lifetime of living it out. Walking in the Spirit. And so then the results, abiding in Christ, stay, pray, obey. And the results, I had started writing down fruit, these different things. And I thought, no, I need to put Jesus at the top of that list because really it's, it's about Jesus. And so Jesus is the treasure. It's not like, yes, we get this other stuff, fruit and these different things and God's working through us, but he's the goal. He's the means. He's the, the, the beginning, middle and end. It's, it's all about Jesus. It, it really is all about him, his glory, his image, his life, love, all the benefits, but it's about him. It's about you, Lord Jesus. It's about you, Lord Jesus, and you, Lord Jesus, Christ 
in use. Y'all, all of y'all, the hope of glory. That's the, that's the hope of glory is Christ in you. So then fruit is another way we experience and express the results. Fruit, five different times in this passage, he's gonna emphasize fruit, that you'd bear fruit. It's to my Father's glory, bear fruit. And I guess what I'm trying to say here is intimacy produces fruit. It's true in the natural, it's true in the spiritual. Intimacy produces fruit. Intimacy produces babies. Babies can destroy intimacy. (laughs) So you got to keep working on the intimacy stuff, right? You keep working on intimacy. And, but if we'll stay there though, we're promised fruit. We're promised fruitful lives. And and we want, we want that. We want fruitful lives. That's what we've been doing from the beginning. Living things multiply around here. From the beginning, our vision statement is to share and multiply the life of Christ in the church through new disciples, new life groups, new congregations to the glory of God and the joy of all peoples. So that's where this is going. This is how it happens, is abiding. Again, the goal, you've heard me say, I'm trying to pull these pieces together. Why do you always say the goal of your life is abiding in Christ? Because that's where the fruit is. That's where the living is. That's where the life is. Apart from him, not life. With him, appointment. Apart from him, disappointment. Life. Yeah. <laughs> okay. With him is appointment. And apart from him is disappointment. With him is life. Apart from him, not life. So then glory. Verse 8. This is, I'm, I'm saying this so that you'll bring glory to the Father. And we've talked about this last week but, and the week before, but glory isn't just, uh, it isn't just only praise and worship, it's sharing in the love. That's what Jesus prays. Father, I want them to see my glory because you loved me before the creation of the world. You know, I, I want them to see your gentleness and your kindness and your love. I want them to see what our relationship was like from all eternity. I want them in on that, and I want them praying that way so that you get the glory for this whole thing. It's absolutely just mind-boggling and incredible. It's, so think about it like this. We totally want to give God glory, but he's trying to show us something more in this whole deal. It'd be like me saying to Emily and my son Matthew, who's down in, uh, in Austin, and you're just going, I want you guys to always bring me praise. You know, I just, you, I just say good words about me all the time. And, you know, there's a certain glory in that, but there's a bigger glory in just sharing and being invited right in to share and be family together. I don't know if it's bigger. Just it's, the point is, like, it's not just only, wow, you're, you're awesome, God, but that you've invited us into that to be sons, to be daughters. Woo. Incredible. So love and glory, then they go together. That's another thing we experience and another thing we express with our lives, the image of God, the glory of God, the love of God, and the joy of God. What does he say there? Verse, verse, I lost it. Verse 11, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So part of us abiding in Christ is to, that we would experience joy. That's part of what love and family, real life-giving relationships. Can you imagine like a real life-giving relationship with no joy? Like you guys experience joy together. That's healthy and functional when we experience joy in our relationships in life and with the Lord. I want my joy, the joy of this eternal relationship with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit to be in you. G.K. Chesterton, a famous theologian guy from the early 1900s, said the true object of all human life is play. Well, you know, I mean, God does want us working and doing stuff, but he does want us enjoying life, enjoying him. That's what Jesus is saying. I want my joy to be in you. And sometimes it's good to be playful, you know, and to even when we're talking here, when we're on Sunday, it's not all just, rah, 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 
you know, and like there needs to like, Lord, you know, you're here with us. Your your presence is here with us to remain in. Can you imagine I uh, that Jerry Coulter book, Beholding and Becoming? He tells a little story. He imagines Peter, James, and John waking up after the Holy Spirit's come. So like post-Pentecost, the next morning, and John wakes up. Peter, Peter, James, he's here. He's here. (laughs) He's here with us. Can you imagine the people that knew him and then were filled with his spirit? He's here. He's here with us right now. Ah, Love it. You know, so Chesterton, James Cone, famous African-American theologian, in talking about the spirituals and the blues, says, the spiritual is more than dealing with trouble. It's a joyful experience, a vibrant affirmation of life and its possibilities. The spiritual is the, is the community and rhythm swinging to the movement of life. Yeah, and then Doug Campbell kind of sums that, those, those couple statements there up, and he says, we were made so that God could have fun together with us, dancing and moving to the movement of life. Why? Because that is, that's what communion is. That's what fellowship is. It's, 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 it's not all heavy. It may be heavy sometimes, but it's not all heavy. You know, there's, but there's some joy I think there's got to be some there's got to be some joy along the way, you know, and so I think that's what Jesus is saying there. I want my joy to be in you. I praise you, Father, as you've hidden these from the wise and learned people, but you've revealed them to those who will be children. So this, children know how to have fun. Okay, I made that point. And the last one there is friendship. We obey, we stay and abide in Him and in His love. He's promised us, you're my friends. Because I'm telling you, and this, I did get blown away this week. I just don't think I'd ever seen it. You didn't choose me, I chose you. He said, I've, I no longer call you servants because the servant doesn't know his master's business. I've called you friends for everything I learned from my father. Now just think about that. Every, and it's gonna take eternity for us to unpack this. But everything I learned from my father, I made known to you. So you're, we're friends. We're, he's, he's brought us into that friendship. And all of that is swirling together in relationship, a relationship of intimacy and presence and abiding. And this is life on the way. Make sense? So let's talk then. How do we do this? How do we do this abiding in Christ stuff? Um, because it's, it's, uh, it should be the goal. That's the first thing is make abiding in Christ, the goal, okay? If it's not currently, make it the goal or consider it. Think about it. Like, Jesus, do you want me to do this? Ask the Lord. Should, should this be more the goal of my life than it is currently? Make abiding the goal where it's the primary focus of my mind, my heart, my living, my acting is I'm walking with Jesus. And so here, the, my model for doing this and for saying this is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It's the life of Jesus himself. He lived constantly by the life of another, by the life of his Father. That's the way he lived. So sometimes we debate, can we hear God or not? Well, it's like, that's exactly what Jesus is asking us to do, live, and be. Abiding in Christ might be less controversial than, for some people, than hearing God. I think that gets like, but it's the same thing, right? Abiding is walking with him figuring out that this is walking with the Father and, and keeping a short you know, account with the Lord and keep coming back to the Lord, turning, turning, turning throughout the day, abiding, stay, remain. Uh, I, I like stay because we were so prone to, uh, Graham Cook tells a story about he got a little puppy and the dog wouldn't, he's trying to teach the dog to sit and he would go stay and the dog would go, you know, run around or whatever. And he goes, stay, stay, stay. And then the Lord was like, Graham, this is you. 
This is you. I'm asking you to stay. I'm asking you to remain. I'm asking you to abide, to stay with me. So that's the word there. So make abiding the goal of life, desire, practice. He's the goal every day. And so we call this, second piece there, how do we do this? Practice the presence of God. Practice the presence of God. And the cool thing about practicing his presence, Brother Lawrence is one of the places where you get that uh, theme in the 1600s. He was a French monk who was a, a cook, and, and he would just make this his goal, to practice the presence of God throughout the day. And uh, he'd be so overcome, sometimes chopping vegetables, that he'd have to go into a closet because he was overcome with joy, and he didn't want the people to think, or his tears and crying, he didn't want his uh, fellow monks to think he was going crazy and losing his mind, but he was just in the presence of God, you know? So that's really cool. Practice the presence of God. Um, You know, this book right here for 15 years of the church we gave away this book to all new members. So there's a link here in your sermon notes um, for this book. And so this is Brother Lawrence with a guy named Frank Laubach. And um, so really, I encourage you to, if, if you or where you can financially, get a copy if you don't have a copy of this. The reason this is so important, it's like teaching you to fish rather than giving you a fish. If you can learn to practice God's presence, you're going to be way down the road in following Jesus as a disciple. So it's just, that's, that's huge. It's just absolutely huge. Laubach lived in the, the 30s. He was 45 years old in 1930 when he first started doing this. And he was going to make an experiment out of it. And he did it for two years where he was really focused. He was a missionary in the Philippines. And he made a focused experiment out of doing this. The first 45 years of his life, nobody really knows Frank Laubach. He's a missionary. The second 45 years after this two-year experiment of practicing the presence of God is he writes 45 books. He writes an English thing that changes English around the world. It's it's a way to learn English. It was used in all different kinds of, the. I think every continent used it. And it's like all these people learned to read and write because of this guy. He ended up being a professor at Asbury Seminary and was there when the big revival fell in 1970, you know, and they stayed for days on end confessing sin and the power of the Holy Spirit's flowing, Laubach's there. You know, and I just, it's so good. I just, you know, he he would say things like, this morning I looked into the face of Jesus until I ached with bliss. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This morning it was as if I went through a door and there before me were unexplored continents in the presence of God just waiting to be explored. Okay, I'm going to move on. So, yeah, it's good, man. Just so, so practice his presence. Um, George Mueller called it experimental communion, if that helps. Like, we're just, we're, we're working on it. We're practicing. We're experimenting. Micah doesn't do it perfect. I certainly don't do it perfect. But it keeps us turning back to the Lord, right? It keeps us fresh in him. One of the things Laubach did was he wrote a little book called A Game with Minutes, where he made it his goal to, to shorten the time that he's unaware of the Lord's presence. Make, make, those, make those segments smaller. Not just I prayed in the morning and I remembered the Lord when I prayed at lunch and I remembered the Lord again at dinner. No, he's saying, I, I made it my goal to every 15 or 30 minutes uh, realign with the Lord. And we've done so many different kinds. We did a 60-60 experiment one time where we every 60 minutes... Realign with the Lord for 60 days. You know, so there's just, make, do fun. Do Jesus appointments. I do Jesus appointments, especially before I had things buzzing on my phone all the time. It was more meaningful. You know, now I may or may not know, you know, but uh, everybody tracking on that? Just be creative. What's gonna help you remember the Lord throughout the day? Put little appointments, things that, you know, stop some of the other notifications and get a Jesus notification that will will help you. Uh, Another thing on how do we do this is practice stability. Practice stability. By that, I just mean put down roots. We're at a time right now, after all that's happened in the last couple years, where even the survey, we're we're figuring out, like, who's here? What does it look like right now? And it's a great, if you're new, right now is a great time to be jumping in with us. Because if you look around, you go, I don't know everybody, everybody else doesn't know everybody. 
So we're in this process of going, okay, Lord, I want to put down roots. I want to be planted in the house of God, in the presence of God. Um, here's another one. Another, how do we do this? Uh, shameless plug here for John Mark Comer. Uh, ruthlessly eliminate hurry. Just so this, this is a quote from Dallas Willard who just said, what's the main thing I need to do as a disciple? John Ortberg was asking him one time and Dallas didn't even pause. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. He's like, oh, that's good. I said, well, what else? Ruthlessly eliminate hurry because we are just running around like, you know, just, just, and I, just distracted out of our minds. Distracted out of our minds. And so we need to be able to pull back or silence the phone or figure out how the do not disturb thing works. It's like a new, it's a new revelation for me. I had several hours of uninterrupted reading on Thursday. Just, I'm getting ready for that next series, and it was just glorious. You know, I came out once in the morning, and I ate a 15-minute deal, some beans, and then came out once in the, she had made some beans, and then came out again mid-afternoon, and it was just glory land in there, you know? And they were good. Yeah, they were good. They're awesome. <laughs> made it sound not good. They're good. So, this is what, here, here's one more. This is what a lot of people call a rule of life. Now, the Benedictines, the monks have been doing this thing for a long time, which, by the way, little, little tidbit here, the Benedictine monks are the ones who invented the clock. And the reason the clock was invented was for prayer. They invented the clock in order to help them get to the times of prayer. Man, has that been co-opted <laughs> to a slave-driving taskmaster you know, in our lives. So a rule of life then, here, I'll just read this, is that in order to, this is from a fuller professor, this, uh, was this from Graydon or James? I don't know who put this in. Graydon, okay. I give Graydon, <laughs> give Graydon credit in our sermon planning time. A rule of life. In order to freely, li to, to live freely into this calling, we must intentionally order our lives. We're finite beings who do not thrive when keeping open limitless options. Please receive that. Rather, we flourish and are most creative when tethered by particular embodied commitments. So how do you take up this yoke from Jesus in daily living and you hoe your own row and are free from anxiety, guilt, and not being enough or not doing enough and competitiveness? That's how you do it. The rule of life is the form of our yoke, both communally and personally. As Christians, we assume this yoke includes worship, community, and mission. Rather than some abstract Christian standard, these practices provide the railing or the trellis so the, the vines can grow, right? The rule of life so that we can grow through daily routines into Christ-likeness. The rule of life articulates practices to which I and we commit our life, naming overarching commitments so that they form and inform our lives. Now, uh, uh, you can get a, a something that will help you do a rule of life. Uh, we do it with ADS, with, with our discipleship school, but you can get it on practicingtheway.org. This is like resource. I, I, I'm not kidding. We can resource you to life. <laughs> we can resource you to life. You can quote me on that. Um. So then the last one I'm going to mention, so the rule of life would have things in it like, what does my spiritual life look like? What does my emotional life look like? What are things I'm doing for even physical stuff? You know, how am I staying healthy in life? And everybody's doing it whether you write it down or not. You know, your rule of life might include X hours of TV a week, you know, and that's, that's why I've chosen to order life, you know? And so I'm just, we want to think through this. Pray through this, right? T tend your heart. There's a college bookmark link to tending your heart, which is just uh, Rick Buescher. That's our listening prayer stuff. It's just keeping your heart tender and forgiving people and uh, d d keep a short account there of the things that need to be renounced or let go of or forgiven. And Lord, what I need to receive from you in that place in my own heart. And it's just a good way to live. And so abiding with Christ, in Christ, is the goal 
of life, everyday life, right? Um, Union with God, joy with him, that's the point. We are image bearers bringing God glory with our lives as we abide in him and fruit is promised, joy is promised, glory is promised, friendship is promised. You guys stand, if you would. Uh, Aaron, come on up. We're over a little bit today, but I just let's let's res- let's just spend a minute here responding to the Lord. Um, and uh, ministry team, come on up. Here's here's the thing for today. You know, pray with someone that you came with, or come up here and get prayer. But if you want to start abiding, then man, let's let's press into this. If it's a desire that's there, let's press press into it. If you're starting that, maybe you've never thought about it quite like this, then press in on this front. Let's say, Lord, I want abiding to be a part of my life for the college students, for young adults, for families, for moms with little kids. You need to abide. Everybody needs this. We, we all need it. And we all face hindrances and distractions. So get prayer about that. Lord, what are things that need to go? Help me, Lord, fight through the hindrances, the schemes of the enemy. We, we cannot do everything that's coming at us right now. We, we just can't do it. We've got to limit ourselves. We have limits. And, and part of this, I think, and we're praying into this in the next couple of days here, but part of it is we're praying for fire, for renewal, for the presence of God to be in our lives and to change us. So if that's your prayer too, just it might be a desire prayer. Lord, stir this desire up in my heart. But whatever your need, again, if you're coming in with something where you need prayer today, please don't leave without getting prayer. Lord, thank you for these kinds of times. Lord, change us, shape us, mold us to be the temple of the living God that is made up of people that are abiding in you in intimacy. In the name of Jesus, amen. You guys, let's pray. Take a few minutes here. Thank you, Lord.